Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around him, and the impact he empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Well, again, good morning and welcome to BCV. What a joy to have you with us. I am thrilled to get to share with you this morning as we continue on our our Journey Continues series. And we have been exploring what God has laid on our hearts for our new home in North Belfast. If you missed the Info Nights this week, if you couldn't make them, where we talked about the practical side of what it's going to look like to create this home, and and we talked about the details for our gift day coming up on the 13th of February and all that, don't panic. We recorded it all. We're going to be sending you out information this week, so uh, keep an eye out for that. But if you've been tracking with us, you know, on the Sunday morning, you'll know Andy shared over the last couple of weeks about the kind of roots that we want to put down there, the kind of of church family that we want to be so that we might see the kingdom come in big ways and small ways, day in, day out, and so that we might leave a legacy that lasts well beyond ourselves. And we've been framing our thinking in the, the three broad categories of the things that we do, which should hopefully be of no surprise to you if you've been with us for a while. We talk about them enough, right? You know, we talk about formation and community and impact. And last week, Andy talked about building roots of formation in North Belfast and beyond. And I don't want to reteach that. You should definitely go back and grab it. But today, I have the joy of helping us explore what it might look like to put down roots of community in North Belfast, to be an authentic community. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of going on holidays to a resort, you know, maybe a campsite or a hotel or an apartment complex. But if you have, you've probably had, you know, or probably experienced a bit of a weird phenomenon. You know, once you've been there for a day or two and you've got familiar, and us dads have done that thing where we say we're, we're nipping to the shop for a pint of milk, but actually we're, we're scooping out the whole town and getting, you know, escape routes planned and working out where the restaurants are. And then, then we can breathe and we can relax. You know you've done it. Well, once you've been there for a day or two, you actually have this thing where you start to recognize people from your resort. You know, you spot them in the lobby, you see them at the local supermarkets or down at the beach. You notice the same people, you know, usually in the same spot by the pool each day, right? You maybe experience this. I usually start to give them names in my head, you know, overly protective sun cream mum or embarrassingly loud speedo dad too much in love hipster couple, or the I hate that I'm here, I hate the sun, I hate the pool, I hate everything moody teenager. You know, the list could go on and on. But what happens is, you know, you maybe start to say hello to someone who's sitting beside you or someone that you share a lift with. Maybe even start to get friendly with a couple of folks and build up a bit of a connection. Your kids start to make friends with their kids as they play in the pool. You know, the the kind of best friend thing that they're never going to be able to live without them and they don't know how they'll ever do life again, the same. And then all of a sudden you wake one morning and a whole chunk of the familiars are gone. They timed out. They've left, they've gone home, and there's a new horde of pale and pasty newbies standing in the lobby, and 
the cycle kind of starts all over again. Have you experienced this? You're depending on, on how long you're there for. You might go through a few iterations. And even if your schedules sync up and you happen to be there the whole time with another family and you get friendly with them, chances are you won't keep in touch. Like, it's highly unlikely that you'll ever see them again. And it's this kind of weird microcosm of life where in some ways you're, you're all connected and you're in this community moment together, but in another way you're really not. You know, it would seem pretty odd and outside the norm to invite overly protective sun cream mum over to your apartment for a meal in Mallorca. It just, it just doesn't really happen. And when there's no permanency and no ownership, community feels just that that extra bit clunky and awkward, or at best kind of temporary and fleeting. It's not impossible. You know, we've actually managed some fun community barbecues and campsites in France, but it's not the same as being at home, in your own house, in your own street, uh, in your place of permanency. And as I've thought about our journey as a church over this, you know, last 25 years as a family of BCV, as we've met in all those borrowed and rented spaces, we've been in kind of what feels like the same way, or at least a little bit to me. We have tried hard, and I believe done amazingly well, to build community and to invite others in, but without a sense of permanency and a sense of ownership, it's at best felt harder than it should. You know, many of you have felt this as you've tried to invite friends or family along, but you've kind of had to explain, yes, it's a real church, but yes, it meets in a school with a crazy blue floor and a, a giant emoji on the wall and curtains instead of doors on the toilets. And on any given week, we might show up and there could be a crazy 80s Santa hanging from the ceiling or 50% less chairs than we need or no working toilets or three kids' rooms out of commission or a spontaneous garden centre where the coffee is normally served. If you've experienced none of those, you missed some interesting moments in our life in Fleming Fulton. It's felt a little awkward and we've done our best and we've built a community that I truly love. But to be honest, it's been harder than it should be. And one of the things that I am so desperately excited about as we prepare to move to Kiev Hill is to have a space of our own. A space that we can make ours, that we can offer permanency and consistency and we can invite people into community from a place of ownership and belonging. And I really think it's going to be a game changer. Uh, and in a moment where almost everything in life seems kind of fluid and unstable, to be able to help establish ourselves, to, to put down roots deep to say we aren't going anywhere and we intend to be and grow the kind of community right here where you and your children and your children's children can encounter the transformational love of Jesus in this very place is going to mean more than we can imagine. So how do we put down roots of authentic community? Well, I've got a few thoughts for us that by no means exhaustive but firstly I believe we need to build a house of hospitality. 
House of Hospitality in a phenomenal talk on the theology of hospitality. Greg Thompson talks about how as early as the third and fourth centuries and as late as the 1600s, all across Europe and North Africa, into the Middle East and even parts of Asia, if you had to go on a journey for any reason, you would spend your entire day as you walked or if you could afford it as you rode, searching the horizon for one thing, and that one thing wasn't a town, and it wasn't bandits to be aware of. That one thing that you would spend your day scanning for was a church, was an established Christian community. Because regardless of what you did or didn't agree with them on, the one thing that everyone knew about the Christians was that they practiced radical hospitality that any stranger, regardless of background or faith, at any time of day or night would be greeted and received as a brother or sister. You knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that you would be fed and given a bed for the night, that you would be safe and you would be welcome. Just think about that for a moment. For hundreds upon hundreds of years, the world looked to and looked for the church to welcome them in and care for them. Our early mothers and fathers were committed to radical, sacrificial hospitality, unconditional hospitality. Oftentimes their very lives and their very rhythms and routines were structured around it. And all throughout scripture, we see God as a yearning host, longing to welcome his creation back into his presence, back into right standing with him and insisting upon radical hospitality from the community of his people to the world around them. What would it take for us as BCV to recapture that legacy? To build in, in North Belfast and beyond a house of hospitality. The kind of place that the world looked for and looked to. You know, we've talked about this as recently as our home series before Christmas, so I, I don't want to cover that ground again. You can, you can grab it on podcast if you want to go back and hear it. But I do believe that to build a house of hospitality, we need to move from a mindset of welcoming to a mindset of receiving. I think there's a subtle but significant difference. You know, we all know what it feels like to go into a shop or a cafe, or a restaurant, you know, an experience, a well-rehearsed, systematized welcome. You know what I'm talking about, you know, a disengaged employee with a forced smile trotting out the company line on repeat to every new customer. Good afternoon, sir, madam, how's it going? Can I take your order? Have a great day. We know what that feels like. And sadly, the same, if we're not careful, can actually slip into church life. And from time to time, you know, once on holidays, we visited a large church one Sunday morning and, and I could tell that their systems were down pat just from website and, and all that I'd heard. And so I thought I would count. And as we uh, journeyed through there, we were welcomed five times from when we got out of our car till we sat down on our seat. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that at all. But no one actually talked to us. We were no different to the people behind us in any of their eyes. No actual engagement happened. 
And now don't get me wrong, I'm not poo-pooing systems. Systems and teams and rotors are great. And we have an amazing welcome team here at BCV. And if you're part of that team, we love you dearly and I am so thankful for you. But systems don't work if our hearts aren't first there. To build a house of hospitality, we actually need to build a culture where everyone who comes through our doors is received. Not just greeted, but received. Is seen as uniquely significant. Where systems and programs and environments and rotas are generated as an overflow of a heart posture that says, regardless of your story, we are glad you are here. We see value in you. We receive you as a fellow son or daughter of the King of Kings. There's a difference between welcome and receiving. The famous German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer insightfully wrote, the person who loves the dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. I love it. I love it. That's what sits at the heart of a true house of hospitality. If we try to simply put on good programs and have awesome teams and create nice spaces, you know, where, where everyone might hear you're welcome, but I doubt we'll truly build community. On the other hand, if each one of us takes ownership for our new home, sees it as a place where we belong and where we want others to feel belonging. If we see the one and receive them as the gift from God that they truly are, we might just build the kind of community that God intended. This is how the early church understood hospitality. They believed wholeheartedly that they received Jesus when they welcomed a stranger, that they fed Jesus when they set a meal in front of a guest. It wasn't a token gesture. It wasn't an obligation or a, or a well-oiled machine. It was time and time again, a willing, costly heart engagement. An overflow of a, of a realization that they had been received by Jesus themselves, that they had been welcomed and embraced into his family in spite of their brokenness and in spite of their sin with something unique to bring to the table. And so the stranger in front of them deserved the same. And this isn't a job for Andy and Harmony or for the staff or for our awesome welcome teams or for a few key extroverts in our community alone. This is something we as a family who call this church home each have the authority and the responsibility to invest in. It is a wholehearted, whole body commitment to receive whoever Jesus brings through our doors in love. And it's going to cost. It won't come cheap. It won't come easily. Christine Pohl in her phenomenal book on hospitality writes, While we might imagine sacrifice in terms of one moment of heroic martyrdom or 
one gift day check written. Faithful hospitality usually involves laying our lives down in little pieces in small acts of sacrificial love and service. PCV, are we willing to pay the cost? The cost to build a house of hospitality where anyone who walks through our doors is not just welcomed, but received. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is in Genesis 16. As Hagar encounters God in the desert in a moment of utter brokenness and distress, in a moment without hope and utter loneliness, she comes away from that meeting and she declares in Genesis 16, 13, You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. She wasn't talked at or simply greet it. In all her brokenness and pain, she felt seen. She was received. What if we could build the kind of house where people left, you know, be it from a church service or a coffee morning or an after schools club or whatever environments we create. What if we could create something where people left saying, I felt seen. Not just greet it. I wasn't just welcomed. I was seen. I was known. I was loved. Fifteen years of thinking and dreaming and helping us engage with the marginalized and the vulnerable in our city has left me utterly convinced that you cannot truly help anyone that you haven't first received. You can't truly help anyone that you haven't first received. What if all the impact that we long to see starts with building a house of hospitality? Secondly, community requires a house of refuge and rest. True community is always a place where the masks can come off where we can, you know, without fear, bring our whole selves, warts and all. A place of sanctuary and refuge where the harassed and the helpless can feel safe. Where the doubting and confused can bring their questions. Where the exhausted and the weary can lay down their burdens and for a moment just breathe. All throughout the scriptures and all throughout, especially in the Psalms, we see God declare himself a place of refuge for the weary and the harassed, the burdened and the hurting. He declares himself a place of refuge. One of our Friday church team came across this beautiful translation of Psalm 14 verse 6 in the Passion Translation this week. Look at this. It says, The Lord is always the safest place for the poor. The Lord is always the safest place for the poor. What a beautiful translation. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful truth. What if that were true of BCV? What if that were true of us as a church family? What if we were known as the safest place in North Belfast for the poor? For the financially poor, and the relationally poor, for those short on answers and those starved 
of hope for those under literal threat of violence, be that domestic or paramilitary or other, for those seeking asylum, attempting to build a new life far from home in our city, for those exhausted playing the game of performance and self-promotion, for those who are done with the endless demands to live an insta-worthy life, for the young men and the young women so utterly without hope that suicide seems like the only way out. What if the word on the street was, go to the vineyard, you'll be safe there. You'll be able to rest there. Someone else will take the weight, even just for a moment, so that you can breathe. What if we paid the cost to build that kind of community? What if we received people so well that they felt safe enough to let their guards down and rest? A couple of years back, our street team came across a young man on a Friday morning who was newly homeless in our city. He, he hadn't been on the streets for more than a few nights and he was utterly exhausted because he was too cold and too uncomfortable and way too terrified to sleep on the streets for fear of what might happen to him. And they brought him back into storehouse where we were setting up for Friday church. And they got him something warm to drink and something to eat. And they set him down in a comfy seat. And as we set up, he slowly drifted off to sleep. And church just, just filled in around him. And we worshipped and we shared and we took communion together. And I preached, not this time to blame for someone sleeping. And we prayed for each other. And all the while, he slept. And finally, feeling safe enough to let his guard down, that he could rest deeply and truly. It was to me just a beautiful demonstration of what true community can be. A place of refuge and rest, where even the most vulnerable can find safety and peace. And that goes for all of us. We all need a place to rest. Maybe we don't all need a place to sleep through church. I'm watching you. But we all need places where the fear of rejection or judgment is stripped away. A place where we can simply receive without the need to perform where we can gather without endless setup and endless takedown, where we can even gather without an agenda or an event, but simply just to be together. None, none of that is impossible without a permanent home, but it is certainly much harder, much more difficult. And I'm so excited for our new home and the potential for us to create environments of refuge and rest. Their community is formed much, much easier in houses of refuge and rest. It's also found in houses of celebration and joy. You know, when, when every time you meet together, extra rent is incurred, it makes meeting just for fun that little bit harder. You know, what if together, we built a house of fun and laughter, of joy and celebration. 
Yes, you know, I'm talking about those, those big moments of celebration like all church parties and big church milestones and, and weddings within our church family. You know, what a joy to invest now in a space where our children might one day get married. And even those painful moments where we celebrate together the life of a loved one who has gone to be with Jesus. You know, all those moments that, that up to now have had to be in rented and, and unfamiliar spaces. I'm talking about those. But I also mean the small moments of joy. Extra time to linger in conversation over coffee without fear of being locked in by a caretaker on the clock, without me shouting at you, it's time to leave. You know, spaces to run youth clubs and kids programs that are about laughter and joy and play. The ability to offer space cheaply or freely to community programs outside ourselves that serve and bless the local neighborhood. You know, barbecues and games in our own grounds running late into summer nights. I'm talking about five-a-side and volleyball and badminton and choirs and homework clubs and cookery groups and dance groups and board game nights and, and who knows what else that we can dream up where community is formed in the joy of pursuing a passion together. We now have the opportunity not just to receive all that for ourselves, but to offer it to our new neighbours. To welcome them into celebration. To build friendships and to celebrate with them. Community isn't always formed in moments of purpose or of intensity. And maybe if we're truthful, we've lent a little harder in that direction up to now. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But there's another direction too. Because community also comes in laughter, in celebration and in fun. In moments where the only point is just being together. And I'm excited to see how we might put down roots of joy in our new home. And finally, I think community requires a house of compassion and hope. In Exodus 34, as God is establishing his relationship with his people, for the very first time, God describes his own character. Look how he defines himself. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Within the whole of scriptures, this is the verse that scripture most often repeats or references to. This is God describing himself and who he is, the compassionate and gracious God. And that word compassionate here is visceral. It comes from the Hebrew word for womb. God is saying, you know, I feel for my creation the same way as a mother feels for the child that has come from her womb. It's deeply personal and intimate. And I believe it's the same way that God calls us to feel for one another and for those who he would trust us with in our community. Like I said earlier, we can't truly help anyone, see anyone step into the fullness of the life that Jesus has for them if we aren't willing to first receive them as God receives us.
with compassion. If we aren't willing to move beyond good programs and nice words and allow our hearts to connect, allowing ourselves to be willing to hurt with the hurting, to grieve with the grieving and rejoice with the rejoicing. I find time and time again that when we're willing to create spaces of compassion, spaces where we don't have, you know, wounded and healer or put together and broken or us and them, but a level playing field, a mutual recognition that we are all broken and that we all, no matter our current circumstances, have something to give. When we create those kind of spaces, without exception, hope begins to bubble up. Because true compassion always allows hope to rise in all involved. True compassion creates community like nothing else. True compassion, a willingness to allow our hearts to engage, blurs the lines between giver and receiver and creates the kind of space where the kingdom can come in all its fullness. Look how Isaiah writes about a house of compassion in chapter 40 of Isaiah. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What if we, together, could build a level playing field in North Belfast? What if people from every conceivable background could come into the kind of space where they experienced true compassion, where hope was released and where together we all got to see the glory of the Lord revealed? I firmly believe, BCV, that Jesus isn't asking us to go do something to North Belfast. We aren't riding in on our white horses to save the day. He's inviting us to humbly offer the kind of community that can receive the rich treasures he's already placed there. That might just mean that we have you know, some seeming mountains in our own hearts that need lowered before we can fully receive the blessing of true community that he has for us. True community needs a house of compassion and hope. The neighborhoods we're about to move into need a house of compassion and hope. And so the journey continues. We are longing to put down deep roots in North Belfast and not just North Belfast, from there beyond into our city and even further afield. We want to see authentic community planted and growing there. And we are asking you as BCV family and, and friends, if you're joining with us, to prayerfully consider giving on the 13th of February towards the renovation of a building. You know, we'll be sending you all, all the details and the practicals this week, as I said, so don't panic. 
but much more and maybe more honestly, we're inviting you to consider investing in the forming of a home. At least that's how, how Laurie and I are thinking about it as we pray through what we might give. We have the privilege of helping pay for and form a home for us and for our children and for whoever God sees fit to bring across our doors in the years and the decades to come. A home where true community can flourish. A house of hospitality. A house of refuge and rest. A house of joy and celebration. A house of compassion and hope. For my money, I'm excited to give to that. We'd love to ask you, would you ask Jesus what role he has for you to play in this next stage of the journey and beyond? Let me pray for us as we close. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are with us right now. Even as we're scattered, you are gathering us together as one family, as one body. And I pray where we have wounds from community not done well, whether in this place or in other places, would you come bring your healing today? Where we've grown cynical about community, would you come and heal and transform our thinking? God, where we um, have a role to play in seeing your kingdom come and seeing true community built, would you challenge us? Would you inspire us? Would you call us to more? God, where this week you actually have moments where we might be community for others, where we might be that place of refuge and rest, where we might be that place of joy and celebration. God, would you show us where you're at work and where... In the past, we've maybe gone through the motions. Would you come engage our hearts afresh again? Would you stir up compassion in us? Would you soften and tenderize our hearts? And God, would BCV be known as a place where your community runs deep? Where we draw from the kind of community that you have in yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Would you call us to build that sort of home in North Belfast and beyond? To God, I pray for our family. I pray you bless us this week, that you'd fill us with all we need to do all you're asking of us. In your deep and rich and powerful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you, and we will hopefully see you really soon. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.